Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy, Literacy Podcast. We can't wait for today's episode because we are talking with what, like, what has come to be one of our favorite, or who has come to be one of our favorite people. Um, we love this teacher. And um, Melissa, I know you're excited because we just love talking to teachers. We, yes, you know, it's my favorite talking to teachers. No offense um, to any experts out there, but I we know, love but teachers. They get it. They get it too. The teachers are the ones doing the work. So we, yeah. we love talking to them. Um, but also we've been talking to Corey for a few months now and we've had a lot of roadblocks <laughs> to get him on here. So I'm really excited to make this happen. Yes. And I, I want to say too that Corey is podcasting from his classroom. Which is beautiful. Six o'clock in the morning. (laughs) So thank you, Corey. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me here. Yep. It's pretty early. I'm in my classroom and I'm ready to go. Yeah. Awesome. You have your coffee. Are you all set? Yeah, I definitely have my coffee. Ready? (laughs) I know. Cheers. It's a few hours later here. So, uh. (laughs) well, thank you for being with us. Um, I think your story is one that many will relate to today. So um, if you wouldn't mind starting us off with a little bit about who you are and where you're from and just your experience in the classroom or with teaching so far. Yeah, of course. Um, My name is Corey Jensen and I'm a fourth grade teacher in Aurora, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver. And I've been, this is my 11th year of teaching. I've taught four years in first grade five years in third, and this is my second year teaching in fourth grade. Oh, I wish that, I wish that Presley was in Colorado so she could be in your class. <laughs> Thank you. Have, have you been in Aurora that whole time? Yes, I've been in Aurora the whole time. I'm actually a graduate of Aurora. I, I graduated from this district and now I'm teaching. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> a little alumni action there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So Corey, tell us a little bit about um, curriculum. That's what we want to talk to you about today. Like what curriculum have you used in the past? Where are you now? Well, What's it was going very on inter- in Colorado. Right. <laughs> it's been a very interesting because for a while there, it felt like we kept changing curriculums over and over. And I felt like I couldn't no really like, focus <laughs> on one. That never happens. Curriculum. I felt like when, when I got good at one curriculum, it's like, guess <sighs> what? Here's a new one. And I'm like, okay. So <laughs> many Which is exactly why, why <laughs> teachers distrust curriculum. Right. Right. Mis- mistrust curriculum. I didn't. Well, it's like it. that. Yeah. Here comes another one. That'll yeah. be gone in a year. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. And, and we've actually heard that a lot with our new curriculum coming in, but mm-hmm. no. Um, so we started with Mondo reading. And for those of you who don't know what Mondo is, it's pretty much like a whole group setting where you read a book or you do a song and you really focus on a comprehension skill for a week. Um, with this book, just reading it over and over and over. And every day is a different skill or strategy. And then students go back and do reading stations and you start pulling small groups um, by levels. And you pull those small groups and levels and then you teach that comprehension skill or whatever comprehension skill or strategy that the students will be learning with their levels. And you score on them on their levels. We use the DRA2, which we would score on the levels and we would mark the MSV on the ready record for those of you who know what that is, meaning semantics and visual. 
And then that reading level will would be reflected in their report card. So then we would report out on it being like, this is what their reading level is. And then, mm-hmm. and then the next year, the teacher would get the reading level being like, this is where they ended. Um, beware of the summer slide. You might have to start lower on a level. And so we were just doing a lot of different reading levels right there. And then my um, Colorado was going through a transition time with Common Core. Mm-hmm. So we were transitioning from our state test, which used to be called CSAP, to TCAP, which we called the transitional test, to PARC. So then we were really trying to implement a lot of the Common Core. And then during those transitions, we were using a lot of the units of study by Lucy Calkins. And I know Lucy Calkins wrote a whole book about like how she implements the Common Core and things like that. So we were really utilizing her novel that she wrote and all she had wrote and all of the different units of study of reading and writing. And hers was kind of similar to what we were doing with Mondo. We read a book or a novel as a class, and then I would teach a skill or strategy in reading. And then I would send them off to their just right book, uh-huh. their book bag. And we would talk about what is a just right book. And so then they would do the same comprehension skill I taught. So I felt like I was really focusing very heavily a lot on the standards two through nine, mm-hmm. a lot. So just really focusing on those comprehension skills and strategies. And then still, of course, doing running records and leveling and all those different types of things right there. But I was really noticing that my students weren't growing as mm-hmm. readers. Like, I would have students who would be considered a level F reader and they would be considered a level F all year. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, well, what am I doing wrong? Like, why, why is this student not growing? What can I do yeah. differently? Mm-hmm. So then during all of that, now we're getting to our third curriculum. Like I said, we've been going. Through <laughs> yeah, actually this, this is very reminiscent of my career as well. So I can really relate to this story. <laughs> So then we go to our third curriculum, which is um, Wonders. So the state of Colorado has a um, reading um, intervention in place called the READ Act. And in the READ Act that was passed by um, the Colorado legislators and all that stuff, states that if a student is significantly behind in reading, they have to be put on a READ plan. And you have to really focus on what is the, um, the root cause Mm-hmm. of their reading deficiency. So then we would really focus on that. And that's where we started really digging more into phonics and things. But then we really started digging more into the other side of Scarsborough's rope because we were really focusing on the decoding side. Yeah. yeah. We were not really focusing on the language development side right there. And so then Wonders was a state-approved curriculum for the state of Colorado. So mostly the whole entire state is now transitioning to wonders or another state approved curriculum. And when we got into wonders, it was, it was a, it was a rocky start. We didn't know how to do this. It was new to us all. And I didn't really know how to teach very well. So I just kind of taught it the same way I taught before. I read the book. I taught the comprehension skill. I sent it back to their desk being like, now you read a book. You're just right level. (laughs) You do the comprehension skill and all this stuff. And then I I started noticing that it still was not working. So I was like banging my head against the table for like over and over and over trying to figure out what is going wrong here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It reminds me so much of our talk with Kristen Poppins, Lori. 
mm-hmm. of the like, I, I, we've talked about this now on several podcasts, but I just, it stuck with me when she said like, you know, I don't really like, I don't know what to do to move them from the F level to the next level. Like what, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even fully know what that means. I don't know how to move them, yeah. you know? Um, it's just interesting that so many teachers that, that what you just said, Corey, of like banging your head against the wall. It's like, I want to help and I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But I remember that too. Yeah. I remember that from when I was teaching, I I remember thinking like, well, how do I get the student from an F to a, the next level? And what does, like, there's a ton of descriptors in the levels, but I, I, never ever found that one student I was like yes this student every single time does all of these things like Mm -hmm. it was just really hard to go through a checklist with us with the student on that level and so then I think that's what held them in the level and then it made me feel like well how can I get them to do this checkbox better so that they can get to the next level but I mean that is so far off from (laughs) the reading research And that's where I think when you mentioned, Corey, like, you know, the state um, wants an individual plan for the students on reading um, and where their deficiencies are. That sounds great in theory. Like, I just want to name that, that it sounds really, really smart and strategic and all of those things. But when but we know that when we look at the whole reading rope, the word recognition part, it is easier to do that. It's easier to be like, okay, this because you can check a box and be like, yeah, the student does not, you know, know um, it blends uh, with, I don't know, digraph blends. Right. And so, so we then we need to that. teach that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the knowledge part that's really hard because it's just exposure and build. So, oh gosh. So I'm so intrigued, Corey. What what happens next in this story? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was just struggling with the Wonders curriculum for a couple of years. And then eventually I was just trying to go around helping, asking for help at my school, asking my school coach, asking my um, administration. And a lot of people didn't really know how to best support me because we were in this mindset in my district, as well as just in the Denver area, that this is how we teach literacy. We teach it with leveled reading. We teach it this way. So everyone's like, we don't really know how to support you because we don't really have the knowledge or the skills to support you. So I just kept trying to keep going up and up and up. And then I finally reached uh, a district coach who said to me, hey, you should take my class this time. And we just, and it's kind of funny, it happened right, like, you know, that Friday, March 13th, when the whole world just shut down. Yeah, I remember remember that day. I do too. I always find it funny that it happened on Friday the 13th. I'm like, of course it did. Of course it did. (laughs) But it wasn't, I know. And then, wait, did you enroll in a class on that day that was going to change your life? (laughs) Yeah, I did not know I was going to enroll in a class on that day. So I enrolled in a class, but of course it all had to be, you know, remote and online and all this different types of things. And um, in the class, we were doing a book study and the book we were using was The Knowledge Gap by Natalie Wexler. And I never heard of this book before. So I went and bought it on Amazon. She was like, oh, I'll just put the PDF copies online. I was like, no, I just want the whole book. I better like, <laughs> you too. know. Me too. <laughs> yeah. so I went on to Amazon, bought the whole, bought the book and then, um, we didn't read the whole entire book in class. Um, I eventually read it at the very end. We just 
um, focused on specific chapters in the book. And it really became an aha moment for me about this idea of a knowledge gap and building knowledge through reading and literacy in your classroom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell me more. Tell me more. (laughs) When you, because I'm sure that you saw that you had a deficiency in that. So Mm -hmm. that's what led you to this place. So what, when you were reading it, like, can you share some aha moments I think some of the big aha moments were, well, it's, it's very interesting. If you read the book, um, Natalie Wexler kind of goes through like, this is like how literacy is being taught. You teach whole group and then they go back to their class leveled readers. And then you do this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do this. And then at first he goes, and that's not what you're supposed to do. I was like, oh, <laughs> you're like, <"Err." laughs> oh, yeah. so I was like, man, she really hooked me in because that was like, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, and then when you put it together with your, like, I'm banging my head against the wall because my kids aren't making progress. Right. It's like, right. yeah. <laughs> so then, yeah. So then uh, after all that, I think what really clicked for me when she really started talking about the science and social studies deficiency that we're having in our elementary schools and that we really focus on literacy and math in elementary. And I'm like, yeah, that is a very true statement. Um, My partner makes fun of me. He came into my classroom one time and he saw my bulletin boards and I had posters under math and I had posters under literacy and I had nothing under science and social studies. But like, do we even teach science and social studies? I'm like, when I have time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That that speaks so boldly too. Yeah. I was going to say that. I think that's the truth for a lot of teachers. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just know a bunch of middle school and high school teachers were just saying that our students are coming to them without like knowledge, skills. Like they could um, know a main idea and they could do well with point of view, but they just don't have a good not um, like amount of knowledge in social studies and science. And I think that really clicked with me being like, I never thought of using literacy as a way to build knowledge through science and social studies or in a lot of different other topics right there. So I think that really became my aha moment being like, why am I teaching this curriculum in a comprehension standpoint when I should be teaching it as a whole knowledge of we're building knowledge together. We're understanding this concept and ideas together. Mm-hmm. around what we're doing this week. So for example, this week, our, our knowledge is um, natural disasters and how do people respond to natural disasters? So we're reading texts in our classroom about, well, what are different kinds of natural disasters? And my students were like, well, we know volcanoes and we know, you know, tornadoes. But then we talked about landslides and they're like, what is a landslide? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so then we read about landslides and then it talked about erosion. They're like, well, what's erosion? And so then I made like a little sand pit where we talked about erosion with water and how it like breaks up the rocks and it can carve and like loosen rocks. And it happens at a very slow pace and things like that. And they're like, oh, that's erosion (laughs) and all these different types of just building this knowledge. Uh 
Which and is I, how curious they are about I it, right? Know. Like that's what's so cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they yeah. want to know more. <laughs> I'm looking at the, we haven't called this out yet, but I'm looking at the student achievement partners achieve the core comparing reading research to program design, the examination of wonders. And we'll link this in the show notes, but um, Corey, exactly what you're mentioning as like, you didn't say it was a deficit, but it's obviously a deficit that they need some additional background knowledge to access even the text that you're, <laughs> that you have in front of them. Um, it does share in this report that the, um, the knowledge is falling short systematically. Um, like they're, as in, they're not going deep enough into texts to access the knowledge that they need. So it's kind of like what you said, like this week, right. Versus like this module, like mm-hmm. we're going really deep. So I think like what I'm hearing you say is you're doing other things to help support students in accessing that and to build their knowledge, such as showing them, such as um, supporting them. I know we've, we've talked in our pre-call, like supporting them with other texts and things like that. Um, and I know Melissa, you're, you were particularly interested in like Corey's preparation for this. So I'm wondering where we start here. Do you, do you want to talk about how you prepare for it or how you knew that they needed to go deeper? I, I feel like I'd like to start with how you knew, like they needed more. Um, I think I know that my students probably needed more knowledge when you try to just introduce the topic, because we always start with just introducing what we're going to be learning this week. And I realized that we needed to dig more into this. And some of my fellow colleagues only take wonders for a whole week. So instead it's, it's a five day thing, but they're like, well, we have a four day week. So I'll only teach four days of it. And I was like, we can't shorten it even more than what it already is. And so, and so like, I've also tried to extend it to six days as well. So even though it says five days, I've added an extra day on there to front load a bunch of information and knowledge to the students to be able to access the text because Wonders has complex texts, and we know that complex texts are a way to help close uh, the knowledge gap, the achievement gap, as well as an equity thing to bring students on an equitable practice. Mm-hmm. So, but I think teachers get nervous when they hear complex texts being like, I have an ELL who is still learning English. I okay. have a student on an IEP who doesn't know, let's say, their blends and stuff like that. It's like, how... I don't want to frustrate this student. I think they're really thinking about the, like the Vygotsky's, um, you know, area being like the zone of proximal development Mm -hmm. right there. But then we don't really give the students the chance to even access the complex text first. We just automatically assume they can't Mm -hmm. read it. But that also being said, we can't just give a student a text being like, here, good luck. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And stuff like that. So we need to, front load. So I really look at what my actual concept is. So next week I'm teaching um, force and motion. And I think, well, what can I do to really help these ideas of force and motion? So I came up with a little activity where we just like take just one of the chairs and just push it across the room being like, what was the force that moved it? What stopped the chair? What's holding the chair down? And then we're labeling all those things on a diagram and in a chair. So that way they can really understand all of this knowledge. And then we go into the book and read about it 
And we front load with the vocabulary in the book, being like, this is what we're going to be talking about. Here's our vocabulary. And then you really know it becomes successful when they're able to write about it. So you give a writing prompt being mm-hmm. like, hey, talk, write about some forces of motion you know. And then they're able, like, here's a topic sentence. Here's some examples of some forces. And then here's my conclusion. I love it. It sounds like you'd give them, like, just enough of the knowledge they need to access that complex text, right? Without, like, doing <laughs> three days of the work for them. Yeah. Motion. <laughs> and then they get to the text and they're like, yeah, yeah, we already know this because you just taught it to us, Mr. Jensen. Right. <laughs> right? But, like, just you- enough <laughs> that they can get into that complex text. And now they have the background knowledge to make sense of that text for themselves. So I would definitely like, I I think that's my biggest suggestion when you go into complex text. Don't be scared about complex text if your students aren't able to access it or read it. it. I believe it's our job as a teachers to give students the accessibility to the complex text as well as the scaffolds. When I think about scaffolds, I think about how a building is being built, that the scaffolds are up first, but the scaffolds don't stay forever. They have to come down eventually. That's right. <laughs> so, so it's helping them access the complex text. And we do that by building the knowledge and really focusing on that knowledge. When I changed my mindset, instead of focusing on the comprehension and then mm-hmm. the comprehension skill, instead of saying this week, we're going to learn main idea. I now say this week, we're going to learn about natural disasters. Right. And they're like, Okay. And, and also, isn't that so much more interesting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would have learned about natural disasters, not main idea. <laughs> yeah. Corey, I'm so curious about, you know, Wonders is, I, I've read the SAP report too, but I'm not like, you know, I've never used it. I don't know it that well. <laughs> so I'm so curious about one of the things that, um, I stuck out to me one of the quotes because it's a really good quote from that report is that implementing wonders is similar to eating at a buffet when you're on a diet, healthy choices are there, but not all the food is good for you. And so I just imagine that wonders just has like these million things to choose from. And that's where I was curious about your preparation. Like, how do you take all these things and figure out what, <laughs> what should I use and what shouldn't I use? Like, what do you, to do with it? Yeah. Exactly. You work with other teachers to, to figure that out? Like, what's yeah, the process? I definitely work with other teachers, but we're still in this learning process together. I mean, I wish I could show you at like a week. I could probably <laughs> show you guys, but I can't show like my, um, you know, your viewers. But this is pretty much everything I need to teach in a whole day. All of this. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, <laughs> and when I got the curriculum, I was like, you've got to be joking. <laughs> like, I was like... <laughs> Does oh, it like, feel Ooh. good that the SAP report like said that, <laughs> that out? Yeah. You? Like, yeah. like, okay. It's <laughs> Be- because I looked, feels this way. Because I looked at that and one of, before I read the knowledge gap, I had a, a, um, administrator tell me, we'll just teach everything. Mm. And I would go home and cry because I was like, I don't have time to teach everything. Like, it's just, it's not ah. And things like that. So then I know this year, because we've been talking about the basal bloat or just the bloat of wonders, um, my school is really focusing on the Achieve the Core report. And we're really looking at what the Achieve the Core says in the week and really focusing on, well, what are the important aspects? Someone already did the work for us. So it's kind of like, let's see what we should get in day one, in day two, in day three, in day four. So um, my school has been really focusing on what the Achieve the Core has been saying 
of how. Remind me what the report says, Corey. I'm, I'm having a. I also like that you're leaning on the experts around you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, just, just like what it says for each day. No, like what, what kind of advice is that report giving you? It's giving me that I don't have to teach all of the things it says to teach in one day. Like it basically wants me to teach um, a comprehension skill, a comprehension strategy, read the book, vocabulary, phonics, fluency, like all of the five pillars it wants me to teach in one day. Wonders, you mean? Yeah. Okay. And it's saying, and Achieve the Core is saying, that's not feasible. Let's focus on the actual things that are good in wonders. Like you said, it's a buffet. There's a lot of great options. There's a lot of options out there, but what are the Mm -hmm. best ones? And it's really focusing on, well, what is this curriculum about? This curriculum is about knowledge and building knowledge through reading. So does it have a phonics component with it? Yeah. But is that, is that the part of the rope I'm in right now? I'm not in the decoding part. I'm really in the building knowledge. So I try to focus more on which of these skills and strategies will help my students build knowledge to access the text and to understand the text right there. And then I've heard Lori before say on podcasts, I don't even know what a comprehension strategy even is. And I'm like, I don't know either. (laughs) I always get very confused between skills and strategies and I will name that. And I've, I like had to take notes and then I refer back to them on a Google document because it's, it's still to this day, very confusing, like skills versus strategies. (laughs) So I don't even teach a comprehension strategy because achieve the course is not to teach it. And then Lori's like, I'm confused. And I'm like, well, Lori's confused. So am I. (laughs) And all these different types of things. So I use achieve the core and I use Lori. So (laughs) (laughs) I think when you build knowledge, I think that there's some intentional things that come out of that. Like, you know, kids are using strategies to access the text. We're just not saying, okay, Corey, right now you're going to visualize or you're going to find the main idea. I understand I just did a skill and a strategy too. I did that on purpose. Um, (laughs) So you're not like naming that you're doing one thing because as readers, you're doing a lot of things. You're, you're using a lot of skills and strategies to access the text. And I'll you know, Melissa, I don't know if you think it would be helpful to give an example from when wisdom, but when students first access the text, they notice and wonder, and that's their first entry point into the text. And then over the course of multiple engagements with the text, they consider what's happening. So they organize their thinking and then they dig deeper. So they do a close read to reveal, you know, a little bit more. And then um, they zoom out to think about like the central message or the big ideas. And then they really do add that to their knowledge bank. So over the course of multiple encounters with the text, they're able to get the knowledge that they need to then access another text. And I think what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, you're kind of front-loading that knowledge and then as they work with the text, maybe in a little bit more of an expedited way, they're having to use their own strategies more frequently to get what they need from the text a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Is that is that like an accurate interpretation of what's happening? Yeah. And we also talk about what strategy would best fit for this type of text that I know on your podcast, Meredith and Sue talked about in placing text at the center. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what is the best 
comprehensive strategy based on this text. Yesterday, I taught an expository text and we were looking at standard one, which is everyone pretty much, I feel like no standard one. I can ask and answer questions by explicitly looking at the text or inferring. And I kind of was like, well, what, what did we do to answer these questions? Did you have to explicitly look for them or did you infer? And they were like, we ex- they were explicitly there. And I'm like, well, why is that? They're like, because it's an expository text. It gives facts and information. We didn't do that much in furry. Right. <laughs> with this <Yeah>. text. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I was going to say when you guys were talking was that, you know, what, what's important with those skills and strategies is they're still happening, right? But they're not the thing driving your instruction. You know, you're choosing what they need to access the complex text. And I, I heard you even like, I mean, even your force... <laughs> I forget it now. Force in motion. Force in motion. Yeah. You helped them visualize that, right? That was like your whole thing was like, I'm going to help them be able to visualize when they go to read it. So you knew like, but we, you, what you didn't do is say, this is visualizing week. <laughs> I'm going to make sure by the end of this week, they can visualize what whatever text we put in front of them, right? Because that's not how, how life works. You knew that for that text, okay, they need to see this. They need to be able to picture it in their head. And so you made that happen for them, right? And same like you just said with the with the skills was like, what what skill do they need to make sense of this text <laughs> so that they can learn from it? And something that I really enjoy with Wonders, I don't know very much about Wit and Wisdom. The only thing I know about the geodes, because we have those in my school, so we use those for phonics and things like that. I don't know very much about the whole curriculum in of itself. But what I really enjoy with Wonders is by the end of the week, they are able to take the knowledge of force in motion or natural disasters, or yes, last week was um, fiction text about just thinking of other people and things like that, and take it to a different genre text right there. Like if you really understand the knowledge and the, um, the concept or the topic that's being taught, it doesn't matter the type of text I give you we can work on it together. Or I can give you a picture. I could give you a comic and you would be like, oh, I see this. And we can start analyzing that as well. And that's something I really do appreciate with Wonders. I never got it first. I'm like, why are we reading expository text? And then the next day reading realistic fiction. That makes no sense to me. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> and it makes so much more sense that you can build on, right? Like building on like, oh, I learned whatever from this text. Now I'm reading another text where I'm using that knowledge. I'm building even more knowledge about this. That just makes so much more sense than like I did main idea with this text. Now I have a totally different random text that I'm doing main idea with. Right? <laughs> that doesn't even right. make any sense. So I think going back to Lori's question, like, where do I really start my planning? I think it's going back to just rethinking my mindset and changing my mindset, thinking I'm not teaching the comprehension skill this week. I'm not going to say this is point of view week. I'm going to say this is the the knowledge, the concept I'm teaching. And as soon as I made that shift, everything else just fell into place, like naturally. (laughs) <laughs> I love that you did that even with a curriculum that didn't necessarily set you up exactly for that, right? You, you're you like, I know that this is what's best. I have these tools and I'm going to do what I need to do with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, so can you tell, can you take us through, oh, like, can you give us an example and take us through a week of what, like, 
I assume you planned for this week. Do you want to, and then we're totally putting you on the spot. So if this is not <laughs> something you're prepared to do, that's okay. But I'm so interested in what this like looks like in real time for you. Cause I think getting in the weeds is really exciting. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I was going to say, I just actually taught day one yesterday of our new week about natural disasters. Everyone's like day one, it's Wednesday. And I'm like, I don't, it's like it, day one doesn't have to be on a Monday. Day one is day one. <laughs> so, like, so I'm like, so I was really teaching day one. So my day one is uploading with the essential question and the topic concept and really um, uploading that knowledge and that information and really introducing the concept. Like this is what we are going to be learning this week. And this is what we're going to be reading about. And that includes visual examples, um, moving examples, some different activities, as well as a quick like two minute video. And as soon as watching the video, I put on questions being like, well, how did people respond to natural disasters in this video? And they just write like a quick sentence like this is how people respond to natural disasters and talk about it. And then really after really introducing the concept with videos and pictures and visual things, then we go into the vocabulary being like, this is our vocabulary of the week. And these are essential words that are going to help you understand the knowledge. Like I appreciate that wonders picks vocabulary words that are related to the concept. So for example, our vocabulary words this week are hazard, because that could be with natural disasters, <laughs> crisis, severe, unpredictable, destruction, collapse, and substantial. So yep. these are our seven vocabulary words that are going to, they're not just random vocab words that text. Like these vocab words actually relate to the concept of natural disasters. Yep. Did you, can I ask a quick question? Did you yes. show any videos or any uh, concepts, <laughs> pictures, yesterday or quote on day one that connected to those vocabulary words like were students like oh my gosh that's a crisis or yes. whatever it might be yeah yeah so like I think the crisis I showed me since we live in um, Colorado um, a blizzard and cars just getting stuck being like nice. that's a crisis I looked outside my window one day and thought cars <laughs> getting stuck being like nope not today because <laughs> <laughs> you all need those special snow tires out there right my sister yeah. lives, lives in Breckenridge <laughs> So I'm like, nope, I'm not leaving. I'm staying that, that's home. That's a crisis. <laughs> I like that you connected it to them, like in their, their, their geographic location. Right. And then um, we read one of the book, um, one of the texts for the week. We, we read three texts in a week. So we read the, thir the first text, which is usually a quick, easy text. Takes It's like three pages. They read it. It's expository text this week. Um, and then we write a quick prompt to the text. So the prompt was, um, write, tell me everything you learned about landslides and volcanoes. So it's just like a quick fluency prompt, just getting some ideas flowing. Day two, I go with the vocabulary again, um, and we reread the first text again. And when we reread, we don't read the whole entire text. We really focus on specific parts that are going to help us. And that's when I teach the comprehension skill. So this week comprehension skills compare and contrast. So let's look at landslides. Let's look at volcanoes. What does the text say that are the same? What does the text say that are different? Mm -hmm. And we just can, I, can I ask a quick question? Another one. Um, when you 
when you're comparing and contrasting text, because I, I imagine you are naming that you're comparing and contrasting text, but you're not going to be like, today's skill is compare and contrast, right? You're just like, hey, we're going to, we're going to compare these two texts. Let's see what's similar and different about them. Um, And Corey's nodding for those of you who can't see. He he affirmed my uh, (laughs) inference there. So when you do that, do, how do, how do students, um, how do they react without like, quote, knowing, like, I feel like in the past we might name the skill, but, or the, what we're working on, but are students okay with being like, we're just comparing these two texts without saying like, we're going to name this. Um, I mean, when you kind of just say you're comparing and contrasting, you're kind of sort of naming it, but it's not like you're saying this is my focus. Yeah. 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 Do do you expect them to, after they can do that, do you expect them to be able to, to transfer that skill like forever and ever and ever like, Ooh, Ooh, these 17 students can all compare and contrast. And then from here on out, this day forward, this, these 17 students, 100%. We no, all know that's not the right I know, I know. Work. I'm just teasing. No, I don't, vigorously shaking his head. I don't, do, I don't do a checkbox being like, yay, they compared and contrast. I'm I setting always, him up is what I was doing. I, I, I always get into the part of like, did was the knowledge being built? Are you able to transfer the knowledge you just learned into a different mode or medium. Like if I were to say, make me a presentation about volcanoes and landslides, could you do a diagram for me? Could you build a PowerPoint? Could you write and write me a quick paragraph or any of those different types of things? So it's not really much a compare and contrast. It's more of a can, do I understand what I'm reading and did I build that knowledge to help me read? And compare and contrast helps me build that knowledge. Like I said, students don't know what landslides are, but they do know volcanoes. So we talk about, well, let's compare and contrast. You know something about volcanoes. You don't very much know a lot about landslides. So let's do a compare and contrast. How are they the same? How are they different? So it's not like a compare and contrast. Like, yes, it's more of a, (laughs) you just learned about landslides by doing a compare and contrast of something that you already knew about volcanoes. (laughs) So I think what's really interesting about this is that, you know, I think sometimes like people can think this knowledge building could go in a whole different direction because in education, we're really good at saying like, you just do one thing or the other thing. There's no like in between where you have a balance. (laughs) Right. And so like, no one's saying that like all we should do is like give kids PowerPoints on volcanoes and landslides. And like all all that matters is the knowledge that they get about volcanoes and landslides. What you're saying is like, what's important is what they get from that text is what what they learn about volcanoes and landslides. And we're still using these like compare and contrast, right? We're still using these skills Mm -hmm. and strategies to Get, so that they can get it. And it's good that they have practice with comparing and contrasting because they'll have to do that for other texts. It will be something right. they, they use in the future, but it's just not that like thing you're checking off at the end to say. Yeah. And that, that's why I asked you in a very silly way. Corey, because <laughs> I like that I think is, is something that is a misconception. And, and I imagine like myself as when I taught second grade, like my third year of teaching, I thought that I thought like, well, gosh, this set of students really can compare and contrast because they showed me they could today. 
great. Check that box. They're good to go. I mean, Um, my teaching supervisor, my first year, like we had our data trackers and they wanted to see that I checked off those boxes. I said, yes, they can. (laughs) Yeah, they can do this. Yep. I was like, yep, we can compare and contrast. And I think that's the big mind shift. And that's where it gets tricky. As you were saying, Melissa, that, um, we're not saying just teach knowledge all by itself. And we're not saying just teach the comprehension stuff. <laughs> right. We're but saying people is, hate that, that we want to do something in the middle. <laughs> right. I'm like, we're saying do something here. And I think that's really hard for a lot of teachers because a lot of teachers are analytical and structural. And we want to be like, I want to check something off. (laughs) (laughs) I want to do this. This makes me feel better. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, but is that really what's best for the students? And I think that's what we really need to think about. Like, I'm glad, like it helps you with your teaching and planning, but really change my mindset. Well, what's really the best thing for my students? Is, yeah. Is that how students really learn how to read? Right. No. <laughs> and, those, and, and those type of things right there. So it's more of just building knowledge and using the comprehension skill to help build that knowledge. You're yeah. not focusing on the comprehension skill and you're not ignoring the comprehension skill. <laughs> That's a perfect way to put it. I, li- I like that. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> not focusing on it, but not ignoring it. I like That's that perfect. too. That's perfect. So how's this going, Corey? I think you had some exciting news to share about how I did how so, work with your students. <laughs> but yeah, so this, so we just started this school year. And as of right now, they are really building that knowledge and really helping understanding. And I think every teacher goes through it every single beginning of the school year. You get a new batch of kids being like, why do they not know what I want them to do? <laughs> you're like, oh, that was last year's group of kids right there. I need to, so I know we're still going through those growing pains of just like, how do we access this text? But my students last year, um, I had great growth in their reading. All of my students passed the reading interim. Yay. So, so exciting. I was very excited about that. And um, I've had fifth grade teachers come down and tell me being like, what did you do to get your students to write? Because they can totally tell that my students are writing like way more than they've ever seen before. And they're really That's understanding amazing. what they're reading and what they're writing. I so, hope your response is, I gave them something to write about. Yes. Like, I gave them knowledge. <laughs> and then again, also like skills, right? You taught them writing skills in the process, yes. but you gave them something to write about. And that's, that's the critical part. Like I remember when we were talking to the Vermont Writing Collaborative, I was like, yes, they have knowledge on the topic. They can actually write. Like you stamped their knowledge. Well, you didn't, you helped them stamp their own knowledge so that they could write about it. Right. And, the, and I think for those teachers who use units of study and Lucy probably like go back to bang their head against the wall because it's like, write about what you know. And students are like, I don't know what to write about. Yeah. And they just yeah. seem like, well, you're an expert. You're an expert about something. And they're like, can I give an example? <laughs> can I give an example? Yeah. So, so Presley's school district adopted Calkins in the pandemic and mm-hmm. launched it this year, which is breaking my heart slowly, but they, um, she came home and she was like, this is, this is what we wrote about in school today. And then my, you know, my teacher's keeping this so that she can compare to, uh, this piece of writing to the end of the year piece of writing. And I was like, okay, well, and you know, like I know enough about it to know what's happening. So I'm like, well, what did you write about? She's like, I wrote about the puppies that were born at daddy's house. I was like, 
Ooh, well, what did you write about? And she, she was telling me what she wrote. And then she goes, and I remembered when we did wit and wisdom in the pandemic, I knew not to write. And that's why puppies being born was so much fun. She's like, so I wrote an ending. And like, she, she was like something like about like elaborate, like that was, it was an experience that, that changed how I looked at whatever. And I, I was like, Okay. See now, thank goodness for wit and wisdom or for a, a, you know, a high quality curriculum that helped her to do that because otherwise her, her sentence would have been, and that is why having puppies is fun. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, I was like thinking just about the gross inequities in that, like all of the students, well, first of all, is that really something that is like worthy about writing about? And like, other than like in your own diary, probably not. And then all of the students who didn't have an experience to write about or who really struggled for an experience to write about. And then that's what we're, we're asking them to write about as a comparison. And so I was thinking I should send her teacher um, some of the final module tasks from Wit and Wisdom that I, that she did like last year. And, and, you know, she wrote about um, that were four and five paragraphs long and, and be like, well, if you could maybe compare this to what she does. Um, but I mean, I don't want to be uh, that mom yet, so I won't. But, not I, yet. Think it's, not yet. but I think it's, it's really important to name that like the things that you're saying are grounded in knowledge. Like writing about puppies is not writing about a text that you read. And yeah. all of the things that she wrote about, like those four and five paragraphs are grounded in multiple texts that built her knowledge on one topic. And she's able to apply to write about. And that is collegiate level writing, right? Like you don't go to college and a, a teacher's like read about puppies unless you're an English major who is in a creative writing course. Well, and bringing that back when we were talking about democracy in fourth grade last year, we talked about that American democracy was picked up by aspects of Greek democracy and the Roman Republic. And they had to really talk about and they wrote about the, um, we did a comparative just between the Roman Republic and the Greek democracy <laughs> and, we, and how they intertwined into our American democracy. And they were talking about all those different types of things. And then when I went into phonics to talk, to talk about morthology with Greek roots and Latin roots, and they were like, well, yeah, because the Greeks and Romans took over <laughs> everything. <laughs> so of course, it's so and Latin roots <laughs> in English. And I was like, yeah, you remember democracy <laughs> and things like that. So like, it's just like that really building knowledge. And I've never seen the type of writing ever that I've ever experienced in my life with giving them something to write about, giving them the knowledge to write about it and those type of things right there. And so I would suggest that to lots of teachers that when you build the knowledge and you just give them the opportunities to write about what they learned, you will be really impressed by what your students can really achieve with that because they know a lot from what they learned. And it's not a guessing game for students being like, I don't know what to write about because I don't know what I'm an expert in. And it also stops you from reading papers about Minecraft all day long. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right? <laughs> so, that is an that excellent so point, Corey. Yeah. And very real. I know all of our teachers out there are like, yes, thank you, Corey. But I'd rather read about democracy, you know? <laughs> Too funny. I know. I remember even my middle schoolers, like so many times, even if you had them write about themselves, they're like, I don't have, I don't have a story. I'm like, how, 
it's about you. <laughs> how do you know uh-huh. the story? And they're like, I don't, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> so yeah, I also you're think exactly it's little, right. It's a little scary. Like I never really I liked writing about, I don't, as a kid, I didn't like, I felt like I was sharing a part of me that I, I didn't necessarily know if I want to share yeah, or like people so are true. Yeah. I don't know all the people around me. I don't know how safe I am, you know, in the space and it's hard to do that. And it's yeah. felt much safer and much, much more applicable to write about Democracy. Yeah, democracy. <laughs> or just like, or if we're going to fiction type of writing, um, we read a story. We, we, last week when we were talking about thinking of others, we read a realistic fiction text about a, um, two students in school and one forgot their homework. So they had to, you know, come up with a plan to get their homework ready. So he came up with this whole idea to do his homework and all this stuff so they could earn the pizza party in the book. And then the second text was about bullying and how do you stop bullying and thinking of others through bullying. So then the writing prompt was, I want you to write a dialogue between this student and a teacher about that their friend is getting bullied in school. And what would that look like? What would that dialogue look like? You have the knowledge about um, their friendship and about the school and teacher. And now you have a knowledge about bullying. So now we can write a story, a dialogue between them. And they're like, oh, and they just wrote this huge dialogue. That's cool. That, 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 that's experienced it. So um, when it comes to fiction writing, you do you could do things like that. Yeah, because I think like that's a topic you would just assume, oh, well, kids know about bullying. So I don't need to give them that knowledge. You can just give them a writing task about it. But it's not necessarily the case. <laughs> uh, All right, Corey. Well, you ready to give some advice? Yep, because I knew it was coming because I listened <laughs> I to your podcast. You I, listen to it. I listen to it every week on my way to school. <laughs> so like I said, I feel like I'm talking to celebrities because I hear you ladies all the time. No way. You're just <laughs> a friend. You're a friend now. So. I know. You are a friend. <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, I was also thinking like, I really want to get out to Baltimore so I can see yeah. more. Come Lori, visit us. Days. You can come. Even, I have an extra bedroom. Come stay. <laughs> Um, I think the advice, I would never have gone down the road I did if I did not seek out help. I know it's really hard when you're in your classroom, you feel like it's you and just the students. You're very isolated. You're like, this is my, my room. My coworkers are across the hall. The principal might be down in their office or doing school. So it feels like you're really isolated when you are in your classroom. And that's not the case. We have a whole system of support in our district. And I know a lot of districts do too. And just reaching out to those systems of support really helped me go down the path I did to help me understand knowledge building through literacy and how to become a better literacy teacher. So if I never reached out for help, I probably would not be the literacy teacher that I am today. That's amazing. And I just want to remind our listeners that you are an 11 year teaching veteran, right? So You know, often we think of, you know, oh yeah, sure. First year teacher, second year teacher, they need the help. But, you know, as an 11 years in, you still reached out and got what you needed and support and shifted the way you're teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's That's amazing. That's amazing, by the way. (laughs) So I would always go in with a mindset for teaching. Um, Teach as a learner. We are learners in this together and that we expect our students to be learners. So we should also model what learning looks like for us as well. 
Thank you, Corey. That's been amazing. It's been so good talking with you and getting to know you. I'm glad we finally made this happen. (laughs) Yes, of course. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, for having me on your um, podcast show. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you. We can't wait to... We can't wait for everybody to hear this. So thank you so much, Corey. Have have a really great day teaching. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Have fun with your kids. We're gonna we're gonna build some knowledge around natural disasters. Awesome. <laughs> Let's do it. Woo-hoo. Thank you so much for listening, literacy lovers. Be sure to visit our website to subscribe to our newsletter and podcast. It's literacypodcast.com. Yep. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Most of them are at Literacy Podcast. Yes. And please, please, please reach out to us. Melissa, what's our email address? Melissa and Lori at literacypodcast.com is our email address. And we love getting emails from you all. And <laughs> Lori we and really I really read them. Yeah, and we, we really, really respond. Fun. We just love, we love when you all reach out and we, we get to have conversations with you. So please, please email yep. us. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're thinking about literacy, what you're thinking about ideas for us to podcast about. Yes, ideas for <laughs> podcasting, anything. We, we love to hear from you what you liked, what you want. Yeah, We're here for you. Mostly y'all are asking questions, which is great. Yes. <laughs> we don't mind that either. Yes. We're so glad you're here to learn with us. Thank you, everybody.